Welcome to Stoveside Chat. The chef is ready for your kitchen tour. Please come this way. All right, Carrie, what's going on? So yeah, thanks again, Chef Joseph, for hanging out with us. Uh, I guess we'll start with you describing yourself a little bit to our audience. Sure, sure, sure. So my name is Lawrence, and I'm living. I'm in San Francisco, obviously. Um, and uh, we have a restaurant called Nopa. Nopa has been around 15 years somehow. 15 years, and uh, we are um, just almost post-pandemic. You know, we're we're heading on the other side of this. We're speaking in um, one of our three parklets, which we built over the last three months. And that's how we're servicing about 50% of our guests at this moment. Um, I've been cooking in San Francisco since 1991. So a long time cook of this town. And I love cooking in Northern California. Um, I think it's the best place on the planet to cook right now. Um, and it has been for the last 15 years that I've been here, just access, access, access to amazing produce specifically. And that's the core of our cooking, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I was at two markets yesterday. I'll be at a market tomorrow. I'll be at a market on Saturday. Um, and this is how we base our menu, which we change every day. Um, and and uh, are able to sort of live cook all the time. It's never boring. It's always interesting. Um, what else can I tell you? Um, I'm originally South African. I moved to the States in 1978, um, but I, I feel very San Francisco now that I've been here this long, you know, um, just trying very hard to uh, navigate this new um, system, uh, masks and um, distancing. And on the 15th, which is uh, just a few days away, uh, California will open and hopefully we can uh, we can celebrate that, you know, in, in our restaurant. What else do you want to know about me? Well, so the more important things about me are, are I'm a, I have a beautiful wife. Uh, I live in the city in a house with three children, uh, two dogs and a tortoise. Um, the tortoise's name is Tortellini. Uh, this is important. Um, named, uh, named by our 16-year-old boy. Um, I don't spend a lot of time with the family these days as we're like racing through this restaurant craziness, but I hope to be a better dad soon. And uh, I think the kids should come work here, actually but they're hard to convince. So, you know, they like this freedom stuff of not working in restaurants. They like the benefits of the, the good food coming home, but I don't think they want to do the hard work yet. Also, they're really good students, so that's where they're doing the hard work, I guess. I was a very bad student, and that's why I'm a cook. <laughs> you found your calling. That's, uh, that's, the, that's the most important thing, right? I started when I was 14 years old, you know? So I guess I really did find my calling. Um, and it was sort of an excuse not to be in the, in a classroom, but rather in a, in a kitchen. And I have just never left. And we'll see how long this old body can stand it. Right. So going back a little bit, when you first started Nopa, you guys served you know late until like one a.m. Yeah. So the idea, I guess, was to have you know food and beverage workers you know come by and hang out, sort of thing. I guess. You're right. That was a big part of our identity. We did uh, we did 14 years of being open late. Uh, the first 10 years, we were open seven nights a week till one in the morning, plus two brunches. 
and we were feeding maybe, you know, almost 4,000 people a week like that. Oh. And uh, towards the end, um, absolutely. From the beginning, it was um, restaurant people. So it was, you know, uh, servers and bartenders and cooks that finished their shifts at, you know, normal hours, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And then they would head to us. But as San Francisco changed and it became much more techie, um, it became much more expensive for restaurant people to live. So a lot of our cooks and servers and bartenders and busters started to move outside of the city limits. And honestly, when you're when you have to get on a bridge and drive for a little bit, you're not going to come in and have a beer. You know, you're going to get home. So we saw a steady decline in our people, meaning the restaurant people, um, eating in our place. And so we dialed back the hours a little bit. About five years ago, we switched to midnight during the week and still 1 a.m. on the weekends. Um, and then uh, and then COVID hit. And now I have a chance to relook at this idea. And I realized we need to be much more humane to the people working with us. Um, although I was very proud of the years that we put in and very proud to be that place where restaurant people could come, or even people that were just getting off an airplane knew that they had a place that was open that was serving clean food, you know? Mm. Um, it's just not worth it now. Now um, I want my people to go home and get rest and wake up and do something um, as opposed to you know, when you're cooking in a restaurant that closes at, that seats until one, you're cooking until two or two thirty, and then you start cleaning. So you're out about, about three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and you're not, you're going to miss that yoga class in the morning and you're going to miss that school and you're going to miss that everything. You wake up again at three and you come to work. So I think the humanity part of that, or the humane part of that was missing for a while. And I'd like to be a little more like that. And also I'm old, man. I don't want to stay up that late anymore. I still leave this restaurant at 1.15 in the morning or 1.30 and wake up and make school lunches, you know, um, at, at 6.30, 7 o'clock. So, um, yeah, I think those days are maybe over. We are considering even closing two days a week. Right now we are at five days and I like it. I'm still here on the sixth day, but just to have the restaurant take a breath, um, this is probably the new way, honestly. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, we may open six days. Um, we may do brunches again soon. But again, as things change, as staffing happens or doesn't, because uh, we're always looking for good people. And right now it seems that the cooks have disappeared from San Francisco. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the biggest challenge, honestly, is finding great cooks. Um, so we'll see about our hours. But what you alluded to is that late night thing. I think that's over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's obviously like you you pointed out a lot of changes in Bay Area since you know you've been in San Francisco or started the restaurant. Right. What sort of the most difficult challenge that you faced, and what are some of the things that you're looking forward to or most proud of? So the the difficult things were obvious for everybody. You know, um, you know, everybody was so paranoid and scared about about the COVID, of course, and the pandemic, and um, that sort of uh, set us back a lot. You know, we lost tons of money. We lost, um, you know, the, the vibrancy of the San Francisco food scene. I'm afraid we lost a lot of um, neighbors as far as restaurant tours, uh, definitely retail of all sorts. But uh, there are a lot of boarded up places in our city. And I imagine around the country, you know, that couldn't sustain a year and a half of no business. Um, I think we were very lucky. And I think, I think the thing I found out, found through this thing is that um, this gives you a choice to be brave. This gives you a choice to um, look around and see if you're living your bliss. And I think a lot of people did that. 
And I think the silver linings of COVID, other than people perfecting their banana bread, was um, that you could look at your life and say, is this, is this what I want to do? Is this making me happy? Is it, this, it became a catalyst for change. And for me, um, I kept cooking. You know, I kept cooking. I've um, I made a new partnership with um, uh, a charity called Food Runners, which is um, picks up excess food. And they were so good to us during COVID, along with World Central Kitchen and something called Dine One One, SF New Deal, all these partners um, that allowed us to stay open a little bit by packing $10 boxes for SROs and homeless shelters and women's shelters, et cetera, distribute food for the needy, um, that we were able to hold onto a little bit of our kitchen. And so my new, one of my new purposes is to make sure that Food Runner specifically always gets, we just put one out today, 250 meals a week from us as a thank you, but also that we support them in all other ways. So that was a nice partnership that happened. Um, I've, able, I've been able to get a whole new crew, um, front of the house crew, um, as a lot of our staff, you know, escape back to Iowa or Chicago or um, took on jobs that were not in the restaurant business, because again, we have this catalyst for change. Um, so I've got a bunch of new friends uh, who are doing really well here. Um, I've been able to promote people within in our business. The people that hung with us now have new titles and jobs and making uh, pretty decent money in our restaurant, which is great. Um, I think that we um, have earned, uh, re-earned the support of our neighborhood. You know, we, they, they saw we never left, that the smoke was always coming out of the chimney, that we took care of them. Um, in our to-go boxes, in our to-go bags. And speaking of to-go, we never did anything like that before. Ever, ever, ever did we put food in a box at Nova. And now wow. we're, we're good at it. You know, we, we were terrible at it in the beginning, really, really bad. And, um, and then we figured out what traveled, what didn't travel, what we could put up in a timely manner, um, what remained crispy and delicious, what didn't. Um, and now we're pretty good at it. And then it's funny, as we started to put food back on plates, we were pretty bad at that again. So we learned that again. So now we, we duel a little bit with the two. Um, but that was a nice change that we now know how to do that. Um, and I think, uh, I think another thing is just to prove resiliency. You know, if we can overcome what we've overcome for the last 14, 15 months. I think we can overcome anything. You know, there were some very dark days, uh, literally sometimes dark days, as fires burnt around and the sky was orange and, um, uh, you know, people giving up. But for the most part, um, I think that uh, it's a very exciting time, you know, a rebirth, which I think San Francisco kind of needed anyway. Mm -hmm. So we get to look at our structure in a whole different way. We get to look at our building in a whole different way. Um, we get to look at our, our, our staff in a whole different way. Um, not all is bad, you know. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to sort of uh, look around, like you said, just to take stock and see what can be done better or, or change, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, like you were saying, so Bay area has always been, obviously still is an amazing food city, bunch of, you know, from high end to low end, you got everything. So for the longest time, that's been the case. So in your opinion, aside from the weather and the produce, obviously you mentioned, what are the main things that really drove the industry forward that makes this such a dynamic food city? Well, I hope it's a dynamic scene. You know, um, I, I saw before the pandemic that other cities were definitely 
catching up or even taking over from San Francisco. They were more creatives um, because they could afford to live in their cities. Um, it's an expensive place to live. And it, it certainly was an expensive place to live. So I think the talent pool kind of shrunk here. So um, I think San Francisco has the potential to be a great food city. And certainly was at one time, time to prove that. I think we need to get more creative and more industrious and figure out how to do with less labor um, and uh, more inspiration for the, the kids coming up. But um, you can live in uh, other places in the country, um, maybe not as um, not as good weather, like you mentioned, but, and not as good produce, but you certainly have a lot of experienced cooks in different places that used to be in San Francisco or used to be in LA or used to be in Chicago or New York and now are spread out more. So um, that's a debate, you know, if San Francisco is a great food town um, but I do know uh, one thing that, that makes it um, a more important place to cook, maybe, is that our clientele are so educated, you know? The people coming in really know the difference between good and bad, and they know they want organics, uh, they want healthy food, they want, um, they, they just, they, they, they have choices, they have a lot of choices here. And so you have to always keep your game up in the city. So I think that drives... Um, yeah, I think that drives San Francisco a little bit, uh, is the clientele, is who's eating in your restaurants. You know, those are the same people I'm seeing at the farmer's market. So they know where their food's coming from. It's mentioned, funny, you mentioned the farmer's market earlier as well. So I guess, you know, even in, in Canada here, I live in Canada and a lot of the, I guess, out of season produce, like, you know, strawberries and things come from, you know, California, right? So obviously you guys it's have true. the- travel, right, 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 right. And in other parts of the country, you know, I speak to my friends in New York or I speak in, in Washington, et cetera. They do have seasons. You know, every, every, every place has a season. Our seasons are just longer. So in New York, when you have peaches for three weeks, they're amazing peaches. Mm. But I have amazing peaches for two months, you know. Um, so that's, that's exciting to me, you know. Yeah, that's funny. I, when I go to uh, like pick strawberries here, like it, they taste amazing, but like you said, it's literally like two weeks. So that's all you're going to get. Right, 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 right. It makes you really yeah. appreciate them, huh? I guess we're yeah. a little spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. So on that topic, I guess you guys source about what, 80% of the ingredients from local farms since you opened? I would say that. And when we're not, when, when that stuff is not from local farms, it's uh, local organic um, uh, purveyors that bring it to us. So, yeah, I would say the majority. I mean, I, I would say almost everything in our kitchen is organic and local, but that's not the, the deal. The deal is taste, mm. you know, um, and also um, intention. So if uh, I have lots of good relationships with farmers, but, you know, if somebody doesn't have great intention, um, I, I don't buy from them because our job is to make sure that we protect that. You know, we, we take that. Like yesterday, um, I bought eggplants. You know, it's the first of the eggplant. The farmer was excited about it. I don't need it today. <laughs> and I'll probably, uh, but I'm going to put it on the menu. Um, but, um, but just the, his attitude was so good about eggplant that I had to buy the eggplant. And so I will um, make sure that I don't screw it up. I don't overcook it, undercook it, um, overseason it, underseason it, store it properly, cook it properly. Uh, put it, make it shiny on the menu, and then celebrate this farm, you know? So um, I have a big job. Make the ingredients better than they, they came in, the way that they came in. Uh, 
don't screw them up. You know, they're probably yeah. amazing to begin with, but you just have to capture them. Some things are better when you don't mess with them at all. You know, you cut that perfect apple or um, carrot or whatever the case may be, avocado. And sometimes, you know, you need to coax that out of them as well. Um, and that's just uh, hopefully a lot of experience and, and screwing up a lot of stuff and then not doing it anymore. Getting out of the way, right? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because that's the next questions I would have is basically, you went into a little bit, but the philosophy or the way you think about food, like how do you, I mean, obviously it seems like you really relish the quality of the product. So it's, ever, it's everything. It's everything. I know that there are a lot better cooks out there than me who can take something that doesn't taste like anything and make it interesting. You know, I can't do that. I can't. I just don't. I, it feels soulless to me. Um, I think if you start with shit, you're going to end up with shit. It might be pretty shit. You know, it might be um, beautiful, uh, beautifully plated, but it's still shit. Um, and, and for me, if the base product is amazing, again, you have to be humble and, and um, realize that you're there to facilitate. You're there just as part of the chain, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but I do love produce and I love simple, simple produce, you know, two or three, four ingredients, keep it simple. A big, a big compliment to me is not, oh my God, that was fantastic. What is it? It's more, that's the best. It tastes more eggplant than any other eggplant I've tasted. And then I've done my job, you know? Right. So really enhancing the ingredient itself. Yeah. 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 Enlivening the ingredient. Yeah. Mm. That's my okay. job. So with that, I think uh, my question, uh, just a couple of more, thanks again for your time. Uh, what would you say is your favorite dish at, at uh, Nopa? And where do you go when you're not on the clock, so to speak, when you're not working? Um, well, at the moment, I'm very fried chicken focused. Um, fried chicken is an interesting thing. I, I love fried chicken. I've always loved fried chicken. I love the, the, um, the texture um, and hopefully the flavor, but but more, it's a textural thing for me. Um, and so I was actually working on a little fried chicken thing um, about a year before the pandemic. And uh, we'd never done fried chicken at Nopa before. We'd fried things for sure, but never fried chicken. Um, and the pandemic hit and I was thinking comfort food, comfort food, pizza was selling, burgers were selling, you know, that kind of thing, but fried chicken. So I actually rearranged our kitchen. I put three fryers in a row. Um, worked on it, worked on it, the brine, the dredge, um, you know, the sourcing of the chicken itself. And I think we come up with a really good product that I'm very excited about. So, so we're about 13, 14 months into the fried chicken and Opa. And I thought when we reopen, are we going to take it off the menu? And I, it's selling a lot and I can't take it off. So, um, so that's become a thing. Um, I would like to expand on that idea, you know, possibly other locations or, um, you know, just, just do that. So I'm very excited about that. Um, to say, let's see, when I'm not, when I'm not at this restaurant, I'm at my house. And when I'm at my house, I'm doing what I love to do, which is sleep on the couch or, um, or cook for my family. And so I do that every single week, you know, every single week we have at least a couple of friends over for dinner. Um, and we social good time, even if you're exhausted, um, at least, at least one, maybe two, because we're, we're only really home one night. Um, and that night we, uh, we have some sort of social, I work with my wife every day. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have her and the family and, the, and, and, uh, 
and uh, neighbors and friends. And we, of course, celebrate over food and wine, you know? Um, I love to do it. And luckily, I have a very nice place to pick up a lot of stuff to eat. Right. That's the perfect sort of mix between your personal life and the, the working life, I guess. A hundred percent, yes. And uh, before that, last, next question, probably the last one, but I have one small, if you could share with us what sort of the one thing maybe you can share that you've learned that would be help us uh, maybe cook our own fried chicken. Oh, okay. So my whole thing with chicken is that, um, and I've said this a couple times now, is that I think people focus so much on the outside that they forget about the inside. So the perfect fried chicken, in my opinion, starts in the, in, in the chicken itself. So get high quality chicken, pay for good quality chicken. It's not expensive, you know, mm -hmm. compared to other meats, um, but get the best chicken you can get. And, and that includes freshness. It has to be very, very, very fresh. Um, butcher it in a smart way where everything cooks and brines equally. So same sizes. Um, and then brine. I, I say brine. You know, people have different techniques. Um, some people don't, you know, they toss it with salt and then they put a, um, the outside on. But for me, I think uh, uh, salt, sugar, water, herb solution for three or four hours after it's cut, that's the way to go. I like buttermilk after that. I like um, flour and corn flour um, and salt and cayenne, simple. And then cooking, I cook at about 300 degrees. It takes about 11 minutes for me to cook a chicken all the way through um, and have it juicy and crispy um, and delightful. So. It's not, a, it's not an impossible thing to achieve, um, but it does take a little bit of technique and uh, paying attention. It's always the details that makes a dish, right? And I'm really hungry now that you mentioned that. Like, good, good, good. That's the point. <laughs> so I guess uh, last question for you is, uh, you know, we talked about what happened sort of uh, in, the, in the near past. So any exciting projects coming up in the future? What are you working on? Any exciting things coming up? Well, we're opening, a, we're opening this restaurant again. You know, we're 15 years old, but we're really two months old at the same time. So um, it's a whole new staff. It's a whole new dining room. Um, we've had the opportunity to rearrange the kitchen, to, to redo our floors. To uh, We still have furniture coming that we're refurbishing. Um, we're redoing a floor upstairs. Um, this is like a catalyst for um, rebirth in the restaurant itself. Um, the new projects are just getting this place up and running, maybe a possible six day, um, maybe brunches. Um, and then from there we see, we see what happens, you know, but right now it's just a hundred percent laser focus on making this place better than it was. Very nice. I like the, uh, the really focused idea that you have right now is to, to get this back up to the level, even improving than before. It's time. It's time. It deserves it. You know, this restaurant has taken care of me and my family for 15 years. It's time to give back to the restaurant and the community, you know, as well. Right. So thanks again, Chef Joseph, for, for sharing your time with us. And uh, hopefully once everything goes back to normal, I'll, uh, I'll be able to go down to San Francisco. and visit Yeah, yeah, guys. yeah. We love Canadians. Come, come, come down. Fly down. For sure. For sure. And uh, I'm sure it'll be beautiful when it's summertime and uh, should be fun. Awesome, awesome. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for your time. All right, likewise. Thank you. All right. Cheers. All right. See ya.